What's up everyone? Based on your overwhelming response, last week's show was our best one yet. I want to sincerely thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. In this week's episode, we have three awesome topics. The first discusses the American Medical Association's call to ban all ESIC products. Is this for your protection or a violation of your right to choose? The second topic, Major League Baseball removing cannabis and adding opioids to its drug abuse list. Could the NFL and NBA be next? And our third and final discussion, cannabis patents. Should there be such a thing? I'm your host, Garth Case, alongside my partners in all things green, Odain Gabay and Andre Brown. And this is The Real Green Show. Tell them as any to represent Jam Rock Organic, some of the best thing. Medicine Marijuana, Jam Rock Organics, tell them we have the best legal and medicine marijuana. We grow natural from the earth by the farmer. Jam Rock Organics, them are the best. Them producing some of the purest cannabis. Are the best legal and medicine marijuana. Grow natural from the earth by the farmer. Jam Rock Organics, them are the best. Them producing some of the purest cannabis. Guys, oh, you there? Yes, sir. How you doing? Not bad at all, man. Andre? Yes, sir. I'm ready to go. All right, like we always do. Always want to check in on the weather. How's it going? Well, I don't really have too much to brag about today. Um, only thing being, it's still above 60 degrees. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little chilly and it's very overcast. But I will, I will still take this over what you guys have. Oh. <laughs> How about you? Michigan there, oh. Um, it is 30 degrees and freezing. Okay. Same I am here in, in a hoodie at home, so. This is good. Eh? Well, same here in Jersey, man. It's in the 20s, and it is really, really cold today. So, guys, we got three incredible topics to, to cover today, and I'm excited to, to get started. Um, our first one is, you know, the AMA calling for a total ban on eSIG products which of course in, incorporates vaping of, of you know cbd cannabis um across the board and you know I, i'd love to open the, the, the floor and get some feedback from you guys you know uh, andre how do you feel about this i that, i i am i am all for it um rastafarians have always preached that full spectrum is the way to go the rastafarians that i have had the privilege of working with of studying of working under uh, they all smoke and they all smoke the plant the weed it's a part of their sacrament and, and they are of the belief that you know this is the best way um, to experience the health benefits of of the product and i've seen you know literally rastas living until 100 years old and they smoke every single day so there's something i believe to what they say in how they have been using it. I mean, they're at kind of the forefront of the whole cannabis marijuana industry in that they have fought for this for so many years. And they are the ones that are kind of teaching us how to grow it, teaching us how to use it. And they, they have a strong belief and I tend to kind of side with them because I've seen the benefits. Mm, yeah, interesting. Yeah. How about you, Oh, What do you think? Um. The, the the ban um, on e-cigs, I, I think um, it's it makes a lot of 
sense in a way because you know when when I think about it, I think about it from the standpoint of of the the the, the, the vast amount of children who are now using. Um, it's more than five million kids now who are using e-cigarettes, and you know uh, we still don't know the long-term effects of this. You know, there are chemicals that are going into your lungs that I'm sure are not supposed to be there. So, you know, there there's so much more research to be done. We just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I mean, you both have very valid points there without question. You know, it's funny going to Jamaica and, and seeing the ritual of, um, of Rastafarians and how often they smoke. It's almost, you know... You know, every hour of the day, you know, they're they're smoking, and, and yet you don't seem to hear or see the type of illnesses that are generally associated with smoking of any kind um, occurring amongst them. So there is something to be said there. You know, it is really something I hope that you know we can get more research done on um, to really understand why. It, it, I think it has a lot to do with the purity of the product, uh, the things that you know, obviously. Yeah, it's part of their culture, part of everything about them. Um, and I, it just it boggles your mind, you know. So when you see, you know, suddenly this ban on, on vaping and to your point, oh, uh, you know, kids using the vapes a lot. Um, it's it's kind of been a, a problem for a while, though, even with smoking. I mean, I've seen lots of kids smoking before vaping became popular, right? You know, it's it's one of those things that... I feel as if we have to be cautious about just jumping to a ban, right? It's, it feels, you know, for all this time, cigarettes have been killing people left and right, and they've never banned cigarettes. Why suddenly banning vaping? It, it feels like you're taking away a, a choice that someone should have. You know, I, I believe it's the kind of role of government in a way to, to protect us, but at the same time, provide us the, um, you know, the cautions, the, the regulations that that you know help us understand what we're getting into you know um but you ultimately know, I, the choice is yours gee you know you have a valid point there you're making me think a little bit more um one of the things that i do want to remind you guys of when we interview the doctor coming back in i think our third or fourth episode when she was referencing her experience in the er and in the hospitals in jamaica she did make note that the rastafarians that she treated had no lung issues and that was kind of of a of, of a big indicator to her that there was something more going on where the total and overall ban is concerned uh, the points that you just made are making me reconsider it a little bit more but it, it's valid it's valid in the sense that people have been smoking for decades for centuries really and especially if you look at the incidence of cancer and of love lung, lung cancer if you if you take if you take um statistics from europe you know people in europe smoke obsessively uh when i traveled over there years ago it, you know in, in interacting with a number of people there i mean they were smoking packs a day and they're healthy you know or, or in terms of no incidence of respiratory or lung cancer and what the research was showing is definitely the chemicals that are being that were used in the cigarettes because of the the the, the eu 
they, they're not allowed to use certain chemicals in, this, in the cigarettes. And now you have me thinking in that, you know, maybe this is really where the problem is in the e in the e-cigarette market in that there's not enough regulation concerning the chemicals that are being put in there. And I think you also made that point, Bo. And it's something that, as opposed to banning everything, and in a sense, I understand why they're doing it because kids are now involved. We, you know, we have kids. We, we, we're concerned about them. We don't want them to get hooked. We don't want them to sick. We don't want them to die. However, as you pointed out, G, we have a right to choose. If, if, if I want to smoke, I want to be able to smoke. And the government should not be making that decision for me. So I support your point there. And I support more testing and effective. If they're going to ban it, it must not be just blanket across the board. Yeah, it's true. I, I agree. I think people should yeah, so, understand why. Go ahead, Oh. Yeah, so I think um, outright bans don't make sense because that would mean, you know, just driving more people towards the black market. You know, you know, we we already have such illicit drugs on the black market. You know, I, I think the, the government really has a chance to regulate this market, and they should definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, great point. No doubt about it. We don't want the unregulated market to take over here, um, as we've seen in many, many um, situations before. With more regulation, you know, people tend to turn to the unregulated market, and that's where the dangers really come about. Which is, I think, what we've seen a lot with the recent, um, you know, deaths in the vaping area. It really has mostly been attributed you know, to this black market or illicit market vape, right? That's being produced. Uh, so I think the takeaway here, guys, is that, you know, from our perspective, we, we're definitely not in support of a ban just like that. I think we people need to understand what's happening here. I think just like anything else, we need to understand the cautions and, and more importantly, look harder at what's being put into, you know, these products. Right. That's where we should be focusing. Right. And trying to understand, you know, what would be causing these type of issues, because people are going to use it. People are going to do it. Right. Whether it's you know legal, illegal, it's just, you know, people are going to do it. And so, you know, the time that should be spent here is, is trying to figure out ways to make it safe, not try to make it go away. All right, Absolutely guys, agree. 100%. 100%. All right. So our second topic, I'm going to play a little bit of an excerpt here um, that will introduce our second topic. So guys, hang in there. Marijuana isn't the taboo drug it used to be. Pot is legal in 11 states, medical marijuana in 33. And soon, weed could be legal in Major League Baseball too. A spokesperson for the MLB Players Association confirms it's negotiating a new drug policy that would remove marijuana from MLB's list of banned substances for minor league players. Major leaguers aren't tested as it is, so this would make marijuana fair game for all players. This is a big leap from the league's current policy. Guys in the minors face increased punishments for each positive test. A fourth strike means a lifetime ban. Astros fans may remember John Singleton, a former top prospect who got a 100-game suspension for his third positive drug test. On top of removing the marijuana ban, MLB plans to add opioid testing. But under the new program, CBS Sports reports players who test positive will be put on a treatment program rather than suspended. Again, it isn't official yet, but the change is a sign of the times when it comes to marijuana in America. The NHL is already ahead of the game with its lax policy. 
The question is, will the NBA and NFL follow suit? Stephanie Whitfield, KHOU 11 News. So guys, exciting news overall, right? I think, you know, when we see uh, finally that people are beginning to wake up to the, the fact that uh, marijuana is not some, uh, you know, terrorizing drug that um, it was made out to be. And there are absolute medicinal benefits. And, you know, ultimately seeing our athletes, um, you know, um, wake up to that fact, or even our leagues for that matter. I think our athletes were already woke to that fact before. Now I think everyone is coming around and understanding that. Uh, you know, but I'd love to get some feedback from you guys. I'm sure that you know we all think differently, or maybe the same. Who knows? But we'll start. <laughs> we'll start with um, with um, O on this one. Um, o, what's your thoughts here? So it's um, it's an interesting proposition, right? I I, I kind of had an issue first of all, and I needed feedback from you guys with the fact that the MLB wants to. Um, have a treatment plan for opioids, but and I know it's the, the, the ban is being lifted, but I I just think it's kind of you know ironic that you know for marijuana they would get suspended, and for opioid opioids they would get a treatment plan. You know, what do you guys think of that? I think it was preposterous. Uh, as a former athlete and coach, uh, dealing with athletics my entire life, uh, the, the hypocrisy on that stance has been blaringly obvious to the industry and to athletes for decades. The reality of it is, is that marijuana is a plant, opioids are chemicals that are developed in, in a, a laboratory and which have hundreds of side effects. The, the most severe being is death, all right? No one's ever died from marijuana. Number two, the most important aspect of this to me is that behind the use of miracle marijuana for epilepsy, for, for cancer pain treatment, for sickle cell, that has been the most effective area. The next best area is for athletes and recovery. The whole aspect the, 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 the major property of, of CBDs and THCs of the plant in general is the inflammation. It helps tremendously in, in, in the recovery process. And especially in professional athletics, you know, in Major League Baseball, they're playing 120, 130 games a year. In the NBA, they're playing 90, 100 games a year. The NFL, 15, grueling, grueling. In fact, I think it's like 20 weeks now. Now, these athletes are taking a battering and the only way that they've been able to get up to perform the next day because of contract obligations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is by taking these, these, these opioids, which technically are killing them. A number of athletes have been playing with, with marijuana in their off season and, you know, they have had significant results. And in fact, in that piece there, when they played it um, about that, that baseball player who got suspended for 100 games, the downside, in fact, the, the thing that was unfair about that was that he was actually taking CBDs and it was coming from hemp. And it was the 0.03 trace of of, of THC that is also in the hemp plant, that is what showed up in his drug test. And that's why the guy, you know, almost lost his career. And I thought it was unfair, but I think this is a great thing for athletics. 
it's it's you you will see the difference in athletes recovery and performance i agree with it 100 percent yeah that's that's great i mean i feel the same way um uh, i think the only caveat i have to this is really uh, you know knowing uh, leagues i've worked i worked for one for many years uh, they're gonna need to really put some guidelines around this right you know the bottom line is you don't want this to be looked at as some kind of um, carte blanche excuse for a player to show up high to a practice or to a game, right? Um, I think the consumption method, the type of consumption has to be defined. You know, there needs to be some rules around this, quite honestly. I understand the benefits as you guys have outlaid them. It, it's definitely, you know, incredible. Um, to think that, you know, there'll be a, a viable option to opioids here, right? Uh, and, and something that will not create addiction in, in, and ultimately potentially even death, right, uh, in, in our athletes. Uh, so this is a great thing from that standpoint. But understanding the recreational nature of cannabis is important here too. Um, and I think uh, leagues will, will take some um, of that into consideration or will need to in order to make this a successful deployment, right? Because obviously, you know, we're all about this. We know this is something that's going to help a great deal. But I'm always worried about the the um, the potential, you know, for for you know something to go wrong right, in the implementation of it, right? Uh, and I want to make sure it goes smoothly. And I, I think we all do. Uh, and so those guidelines are going to be very, very, very important, um, in my opinion. Thoughts. I agree. Um, I think another point um, that should be made was, is also uh, formulation and possibly forms of consumption that should be regulated. Because as we know, you know, things like edibles will get you way too high, you know, like if it's if it's abused. Um, you know, topicals we know are very effective, especially when it's infused with THC. So for like muscle and pain management, I think topicals would be great. Um, I don't think it's necessarily ideal for active players, but for um, retired players or players who are, you know, are injured, cannabis might be, you know, in, in an effective form of pain management when compared to the opioids that they're usually given. Because, you know, I was doing some research and according to ESPN, 60% of athletes would use medical cannabis instead of opioids and that same 60 percent you know they fear the long-term effects of said opioid opioid use so you know it's an interesting point oh i i agree with you there almost 100 percent. the thing that i differ with is that Absolutely. The, the retired players, in fact, they probably will benefit from it a little bit more. But I really do believe the active players should be using it also. Let's just use the NFL as an example. You know, we're, we're talking about 250, 250 pound guys running at 15 miles an hour colliding in each other. That's just like a car accident. These concussions that these guys, these, these guys receive are pretty severe. More importantly, between their travel schedule, their practice schedule, and of course the physical impact that they're taking through every day, their bodies are inflamed. In addition to that, in their rest and recovery cycle, they're not sleeping, which is one of the reasons why they're not recovering in time and which is why 
the current opioid uh, use is as prevailing as it is and has been for the past 50 years. In, in, and as I say, I'm using the NFL as an example. So back to your point and back to, to, to Garth's point in that there needs to be regulation. Along with this regulation, I personally believe that it, it should be clearly stated that this should be used for recovery as a tool for recovery, which means you shouldn't be using it before practice. You should be using it after practice. Yeah, I, I think you're right there, Andre. Um, you know, I, it really does boil down to the to some um, guidelines being put in place. I, I, we see this being ultimately a great thing. It's it's going to be successful. Um, you know, and just like we talked about having a, a, a viable option, you know, that is not considered illegal. Um, you know, is is a good one, right, for our players and, and our athletes because, you know, if, if you've never been around sports and or have never played, you know, again, you the abuse on your body is unbelievable. And many times you don't really, you know, find the true impact of that until you are older. So to your point, when you're retiring is when you recognize that you can hardly walk um, because, but most times it's because you got very poor treatment to begin with. Right. And you never really took care of it. And, and so, you know, I think, you know, treatment starts early. Right. And I think this is a, a good thing um, that's being looked at. I'm happy and I'm hoping that the NFL and, and NBA gets their act together and um, focuses on this. I, I think um, it will be a huge topic of discussion um, for the, um, the NBA and their collective bargaining agreement coming up soon. And and I know the NFL is has to seriously look at this because. Uh, it's a it has to be an option and obviously for our industry this is awesome right because it really really does help us um, solidify the fact that we are a viable solution to the things that are killing people out there like opioids so you know obviously here at Jamrock we're all about it so this is a good thing um, and it, this takes us to our third topic right this is an interesting one because um, we're seeing more and more about this in the news and it's this idea of patenting cannabis, right? I struggle with this a lot. Uh, you know, I can understand patenting a process, like, you know, how to extract cannabis or things like that. But this idea of, of patenting actual cannabis, uh, I don't know, I, I struggle on this. Um, Andre, we'll start with you on this. What's your perspective? You know, initially, I, 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 I wasn't so sure about this because as you just stated, Patenting something like this is really difficult. I have had the privilege though over the past five years since I've been in the industry of meeting some really, really, really good growers who, you know, they, they have kind of laid the foundation for what the industry is right now. And, you know, living in mountains in California and in Oregon and stuff like that, they have specifically developed certain cultivars that are true to who they are and to what, how they develop them. And I think if the patent laws or, or, or if we started going that route of patenting, I think that would help them for sure, especially from the perspective that they have paid the price to be in the industry. So I would love them to be able to, you know, patent their genetics, genetics, genetics and, and be able to make some level of profit from the industry because they kind of laid the foundation for it. However, globally, and especially, you know, with the illicit market still being what it is, I see that there might be some issues in being able to actually bring that to fruition. 
Uh, good point. So I, I, I'm in agreement because, you know, again, you know, as a grower, I've, I've heard a lot, a lot of stories about um, how tr the traditional growers, the ones back in the day, have really suffered because of the war on cannabis, right? And, and at the same time, they've really put a lot of time into really growing amazing cultivars some that are you know they're almost impossible to find and when you do experience these cultivars they're absolutely amazing so you know i i, I agree that you know those those patents those um you know those farmers should be protected but I, i'm of the mind that you know cannabis ships is something that should be shared you know it's something that <laughs> it's been closed out from the world for so long I, I'm of the mind that it really should be, you know, shared in whatever form that it may take. Um, and, and, and another point is that, you know, it's it's something that's grown from the earth. I don't think <laughs> um, anything that's grown from the earth should have any sort of legal ownership of, of any sort, you know, to some type of cor corporation or you know, individual, you know, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I get that. You know, we're not talking like this is oil here, right? You know, so, you know, obviously, you know, oil comes out of the earth and, you know, you, you have um, obviously monopolies on that all over the world. Um, this is different. You know, this is a, a source of medicine, a source of food, a source that you would think you, have, you should protect as something that everyone should have access to. Uh, I think why I struggle so much here is really not so much not, you know, I understand patenting and I think it's important to protect things, you know, like technology and, and innovation, right? And I think what we're talking about here potentially is, um, you know, growers or others scientifically you know, engineering new strains or new aspects to these products. And when I hear that, though, anything I consume, I get very, very concerned about. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes when man touches things with good intentions, it sometimes turns out terribly. Uh, and and that's, that's my biggest concern is, you know, um, just recently I saw an article that there is some new apple coming out that's you know supposed to have a shelf life of over a year i mean we call the crisp apple or something like that i, I was <laughs> blown madness. away right like i can't imagine having an apple in my house for one year right so so what is in that right that's just absolutely not natural to me and i'm, I'm saying to myself once i put that into my body what happens what's next right does it mean i get to live an extra year or does it take a year off my life i have no idea um, and, and so I just feel as if it is a big um, disconnect here in a way that we should be very cautious about because the real reason you patent something is to protect it to make money, right? And um, I, I'm okay with making money. I have nothing against that. However, uh, when it comes to people's health, you know, um, you've heard us say this over and over on many of these podcasts, we don't want to make a buck if it's going to kill someone. Right, it's just not worth it, right? And but for others, the, many don't care, uh, and so that that's my perspective. That's the way I feel a, a bit, and you know, I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, back to one of O's point in that the mere fact that this became an industry, it became about money. And if it's about money, it's now a commodity. And if it's a commodity, you can sell it and you have to protect it. So in keeping, and I go back to the Rastafarians because, you know, they are true to who we are also and, and what we represent, you know, they, they believe that it, it really shouldn't be commoditized and that, and that it should be, you know, used and stuff in its natural form. However, we're about to be in 2020 and this is the real world. Yeah, yeah. Again, back to money, back to the stock market and everything. Um, because there is money, there is competition. And because there is competition, you have to find a way of being one up on the next person. And unfortunately, you know, the, the one up really comes from the lab and some of the things that they can do to grow. Uh, you go back to the, the point you made, Garth, about the apple. I was eating some grapes last night and I was enjoying my, my, my bowl of grapes. And it just hit me. I was like, you know, wait a second. I have not eaten a grape that had a seed in about 10 years <laughs> to the point where I didn't even think about it anymore. And then all of a sudden I started to panic. I was like, oh my God, what is this being, what is this doing to my body? So I'm careful. I, I'm, I'm, I, I am in agreement with having a patented process for the smaller farmers, uh, for anyone that is outside of the agro or pharmaceutical industry that wants to, you know, basically globally develop seeds and, 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 and take over the entire industry. That part of it, I am totally against because once you start introducing GMOs and the reality of it is, is that we usually don't know what the effects are until we're dead. And as you pointed out, G, we don't want to be a part of anything that causes anyone to die. In fact, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know, I want everybody to be happy. Absolutely. I hear that without question. Um, anything um, from you, O, on this? Um, I think that the, the form of, you know, the commerce that really should take place between um, cannabis farmers and the, 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 the cannabis industry should be one of partnership because let's be real it's very very hard to grow cannabis in a commercial environment this this is part of the reason why the the, the companies in canada are struggling because each strain each cultivar has different needs and it's hard to control those individual needs in such a massive environment so eventually they'll they're gonna have to introduce genetically genetically modified organisms into the cannabis plant if they want to produce commercially so you know it, it's <laughs> i just think that it again it should be unchanged again we're all about natural air so i you know the fact that you know uh, uh, a scientist out there wants to you know change the properties of a natural plant it 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 kind of doesn't sit well with me because, again, we're 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 really all about natural and the plant being unchanged. Absolutely. In fact, oh, to to build on that point there, because as you were saying, it's something just you know jumped right back into my head. Um, one of the master growers that we've had the privilege of interfacing with in Jamaica, one of the things that he was able to share with me was number one. A number of growers from around the world have brought their cultivars, their seeds into Jamaica. And, you know, 
to a period during the late 70s, early 80s, it pollinated and it, it kind of killed a lot of the indigenous Jamaican cultivars. The other problem that they're having currently now, though, is that, again, Jamaica, the land of wood and water, you know, things are natural there. What, it, what has turned out within the past 10, 15 years is that the cultivars that they're bringing into the island, and specifically since cannabis went legal, um, rec, um, went medical legal in Jamaica three or four years ago, a number of the Canadian companies that have come in and a couple from Europe bringing their own cultivars, they're not growing. They're not growing because they were genetically developed to grow in an enclosed controlled environment so trying to grow them in the fields in jamaica it's not working at all so this is why now they're they're kind of retuning stuff they're trying to elicit the help of the lower local growers but they're also going back to the lab and trying to, to produce a more resilient seed that can exist in, in in any kind of environment which bothers me because it's not natural and Unfortunately, as, 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 you know, members of the imperfect human race, you know, sometimes we get preoccupied with the fact that we can and never question as to whether we, we should until it's too late. Great point. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, one of the things, uh, you, as you guys were talking, I realized that we haven't really looked at it from a, a patent perspective is, can you really enforce this? I mean, you 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 decide to lock up a patent on a strain or whatever this is. It seems impossible to me that you're going to be able to enforce this, especially globally, right? Um, this cannabis industry is becoming a global force at this point, uh, and I don't know how you enforce something like this. It's going to be very very difficult because you know just just. Just because every country traces differently, everybody looks at the the use of the product differently, uh, and it just seems like it's going to be impossible to enforce. I, you know, it feels as if you to just to enforce it would would cost way more than you would make not patenting it. <laughs> right? so, Absolutely. So I, I just it, it seems like a silly thing in in that respect. Um, you know, that you might not realize the benefits uh, that you think you will uh, is one thing. And then the other thing that I'm also concerned about, and you touched on this always, oh, accessibility, man. It's it's once once you decide no longer to to share or or you know keep this um, accessibility to it, you you can create classes in a way where, like we've seen in the pharma side of the world, right? There's certain drugs that are literally out of the reach of the regular individual because of the expense. Um, and particularly here in America, you know, less so around the world, but here in America, drugs are super expensive and they're expensive for a reason. They believe that there's a certain um, uh, understanding from people that they'll spend as much as they can. Insurance companies will help with that and they'll, they'll, they'll charge an enormous amount of money while they hold a patent right on, on a particular drug and, and so i'm worried about that also happening here where you know the if there is a specific patent say for instance we come up with a strain and you're able to patent this strain that makes people skinnier 
right? Um, and, and obviously that might save some lives too, right? But then you say that, you know, it's going to be $10,000 to access this thing, you know, um, a month or, or a week or something. That excludes a whole lot of people immediately from being, you know, able to, to realize something that might save their lives. So again, this is the struggle I have. You know, I understand it, I get it, and I get your points, but I do have this fundamental struggle here that says that this is something from the earth. This is something that um, has been around for a very long time. We've been doing lots of incredible things that people are not so much aware of and it's helped lots of people throughout, you know, different treatments and different phases of their lives. Uh, you know, it's just becoming now public knowledge. And so everyone is jumping into this and, 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 and taking advantage in a way, right, of, of the opportunity here, which I understand it's a, we're a capitalist society. But it just feels as if we have to be very cautious here because, you know, um, we might be going in not looking, you know, clearly. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that, that's my position. You know, I think this might be one of those that we don't all agree, you know, 100 percent. But we know that there are factors here that really do need to be looked at. Uh, and well, one of the things that I, I, I want to remind you guys of U.S. patent number 6630507. That's the U.S. government's patent on cannabis. And if, you know, and here's the contradiction, contradictory part of it in that it's legal federally, yet they have the patent on it. For me, it has always been kind of the North Star in in, in negotiating and navigating the whole cannabis industry. The mere fact that they took the task to do this, the mere fact that the government has been doing research on this for 50 years, um, tells me that there are things, there are properties that they know this plant has, and they're looking for ways to monetize it, you know? So it's, it's, it's in fact, in a sense, it's a little scary. It's a little scary because the rest of us are running and trying to find our place. You know, we want to do the right thing. We want people to be healthy. You know, we want to grow healthy products. But, you know, when money gets involved, when governments get involved, sometimes I have to take a step back and go, hmm, you know, I got to be careful here. Yeah, I agree. So, gentlemen, I think we exhausted this one. You know, without question, I, I, it, it feels like we'll have to continuing to dig deeper as things progress and we watch uh, others get more patents in this area uh you know obviously this will continue right this is not something that we'll, we'll, we'll solve for today uh and i don't think we'll ever be able to stop it people are going to get patents on this stuff but you know the question is what will the outcome be and um and just so that our listeners know you know you should maybe take a, a look at whether something is genetically enhanced or not, right? It, you know, is it something you want to put in your body? Is it really going to help you or is it going to harm you? Um, and that's where the verdict is not out yet. We have no idea. Uh, and so it's up to you to make the decision ultimately, right? It's your body, your health, your life. Uh, so gentlemen, we have gone through three fantastic topics here and we've been on this for about 38 minutes. Um, so, you know, we're at the top of our time. Uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, for being a part of this, um, this episode. And I'm hoping that everyone's enjoying our new format. We're taking, uh, an endeavor of giving you as much information as humanly possible about things that are happening in, in, in the industry. 
Um, the feedback has been awesome from the last episode, and we thank everyone who sent in their feedback and all the, the people that have listened. We really do appreciate you. Um, and if you ever have any questions at all, please drop us a note at wecare at jamrockorganics.com. One of the three of us will be happy to answer. Um, and uh, hopefully, if you have topics you want us to cover, let us know. If you'd like to be a participant, um, we can also explore that. So please, again, thank you. And um, gentlemen, thank you for your participation. Always a pleasure. More than a pleasure. Great talking to you guys. I enjoyed the conversation today. I agree, guys. Great Thank conversation. Bye right, bye now. Bye bye. What's up, everybody? You've just listened to the Real Green Show, brought to you by Jamrock Organics. If you enjoyed the show today, please support us by sharing the podcast or leaving us a review. To learn more about us, check us out at jamrockorganics.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on our show email us at wecare at jamrockorganics.com. Last but not least, please don't take any of the information you get on the show from the hosts or guests as medical, legal, or financial advice. Speak with the appropriate licensed professional. At times, we will share promotional information and provide commercial reviews of products. We will always disclose when we are paid or if any of our discussions are investment-related. Thanks for listening to the show. Peace and love, my friends. Jamrock Organics, tell them we say. have the best legal and medicine marijuana. We grow natural from the earth by the farmer. Jamrock Organics, them are the best. Them producing some of the purest cannabis. Are the best legal and medicine marijuana. Grow natural from the earth by the farmer. Jamrock Organics, them are the best. Them producing some of the purest cannabis.